So this podcast is focusing on the second inquiry in the theme two, contested power in year seven. And the inquiry question is, how on earth did the Crusaders make it all the way to Jerusalem? Second order concept is causation. Into the podcast. Cool. Well, this is, I think, our kind of first um, inquiry podcast to uh, get people kind of in touch, knowledgeable, understanding the kind of OCL history curriculum and the inquiries we're planning and just kind of talking to people who created them, thinking about what fascinated them, the process they've gone through, what they read, um, what's really driving the inquiry, what's interesting about it, and the kind of second order concepts and what will be coming up in this inquiry. So first one we're going to look at is our inquiry on the Crusades. Uh, it's been planned by Josh. Uh, Josh, want to tell us about it? What's the inquiry question and what kind of fascinated you about the, the journey of planning? Yeah. Hey, guys. Um, so the inquiry, there's a bit of a backstory, really, to the inquiry. It's one that I taught years ago, um, and it's actually based off this uh, teaching history article by Rachel Foster, where she poses the question, how on earth did the Crusaders make it all the way into Jerusalem? And I had it on my old history curriculum, and it really didn't work. And in a way, it kind of led me to a few quite powerful or vaguely powerful revelations. Um, it didn't really work despite the fact I thought it was a brilliant inquiry because I w- it became apparent that they needed to have such like a firm foundation of knowledge um, in order to like get to grips with the world of crusading. And so, you know, in that sense, they had to understand that in Latin Christendom, religion was this unbelievably powerful force that had the capacity to motivate you know people to ditch their lives and travel x hundred miles away um to the holy land but but also to kind of bind people who would ordinarily have been at war together they have to really understand that uh they have to understand that christianity exists in the east uh kind of in constantinople and the byzantine empire but that it's different to christianity in the west and that there's this tension that exists. Um, And you have to understand that the Islamic world is not kind of a united front, Um, that there are these inherent tensions that are starting to emerge. Um, And to be clear, in my old curriculum, none of those things were apparent. And so this brilliant inquiry, as I said, that Rachel Foster had put together and thought really hard about, just fell flat and kept on falling flat. Um, And I guess the, the beauty is that this year, We've obviously spent a lot of time thinking about what needs to come before in order to access um, particular units of work. And hopefully people can see that what students did in that first half term really is building towards allowing them to, to access this in yeah, a, an academic and brilliant way. Yeah, I think that, that sequence is important, that, that setup, isn't it? It's not just kind of like that standalone idea, it's building on all that prior learning. And I think one of the things that kind of comes out in it, there's lots of opportunities to just explicitly link back. And you do yeah. that by visiting those places that are kind of already looked at, like Constantinople is really clearly we go here. And also there's that nice kind of setup you have where you're saying, well, when Crusaders get there, they're shocked by the wealth of the city because it's so much bigger and more lavish than than what's right. in. I mean, unlike anything that they would have seen um, and equally like when the Emperor Alexios sees them, they're like <laughs> they're kind of unlike anything he's ever seen. They're, they're, they're this horde outside his his walls and he's um, well, he's not. He's not best pleased because he'd asked for assistance from the Pope um, in the form, I think, of a few hundred men, as he thought 
it was going to be. But um, as you see in that inquiry, uh, the Pope is is slightly using the Crusades to um, further some of his own missions around the spread of Christianity, particularly in the East, and in a way, um, you know, feeding into that rivalry between Western and Eastern Christianity. So, um, so some some surprises for for both Crusaders and Alexios as they arrive in Constantinople. Yeah, and that's not the second order to focus. It's not like on the consequences, but it's that kind of idea of unintended consequences. Like Alexius asks for some people to help, and this huge crusade turns up with these uh, kind of agenda and these uh, in the in the background of it. So I guess yeah, what and, makes... and if we are going to get really really overexcited that this isn't about um, this particular inquiry, um, ultimately we will return like to the fall of Constantinople, like you, Rob, you and I have spoken about this so many times about the exciting moment that that's going to happen when the Crusaders themselves actually sack Constantinople yeah. kind of 130 years after this. And so, you know, that is slight, even though it's not the main focus of this inquiry, that is slightly set up when you start to see the relationship between um, the Crusaders and Alexios. You know, it, there's this brilliant moment early on where he, you know, he invites them into the palace and I love the fact that our students are returning to the palace in Constantinople as well, and like those marble steps. And so he he invites them into the palace and he sits on that mechanical throne that they know a lot about already um, and has them swear this oath of allegiance that they're going to have to ha hand over any land that they take in return for his support. And it goes kind of swimmingly at the start. And then the further they go into the crusade, the kind of greedy crusader princes decide actually screw you Alexios and, and, you know, and he hadn't been as helpful as they were they were thinking and so um like Bohemond for instance who's been this big figure throughout it decides I think I'm going to stay in Antioch and not go all the way to Jerusalem this one's mine I think if, so if, we, if we are looking at the focus of the unit then how did you kind of settle obviously it's kind of like based on some some previous inquiries but why is that an interesting question like how on earth did they they get there it's got that second order concept uh second order concept focus of causation but but why is that actually an interesting question to wrestle with yeah, I mean, we kind of return to that question in various forms across the inquiry. And it's interesting because the story itself is so extraordinary. I mean, it's the, it's there, there are loads of crusades that take place. Um, you know, students don't necessarily need to know that at this point. But, uh, you know, for us, this is the one that is successful. Um, and so therefore, we OK, so that that's unique in itself. Now, when you actually start to look into it, uh, and we do this in the inquiry, when you when you you know they once they're at Constantinople, it's not a foregone conclusion in the slightest that they are going to get into Jerusalem. In fact, it's really really unlikely in so many ways. And kind of moving through Asia Minor, kind of without your supplies or, or without connection to clear supply routes. Well, how on earth do they do that? And then you present them with the like these obstacles that keep arising and, and it's quite nice the way it works it's they, they arrive at cities like Antioch and they look up and it's just impregnable it's on a hill it's got these enormous walls and, and, and so at, at each juncture you just go well how on earth did they make it in <laughs> yeah, and, and as you move through then they get to Jerusalem it's like cool we're at Jerusalem and then again you look at the the size of the walls and the fact that they've got one ladder by this point and they've lost about 70 percent of their men uh, and you know, in the first or the third day or something, they try and use their one ladder to get into the walls of Jerusalem. And the poor guy who's standing at the top quickly has his hands to uh, chopped off and is tossed <laughs> back down. And again, you just you know pose your class that question: Well, how on earth did they 
did they make it in? I think it's really rich in that sense because you can very clearly present it as a series of obstacles that need to be overcome. And you can just keep returning to that line. You know, here's this enormous obstacle. How on earth do they do it? Um, and, and I guess the, the other satisfying element to that is, generally speaking, it's the same. We keep coming back to the same three reasons. And it's their, you know, the religious devotion of the Crusaders, which, as we know, has been set up to some degree in that conk unit of work. And then will be set up again in, in this unit of work when we look at the Pope, his speech at Clermont um, and kind of the promises that he's giving to Christians. Uh, there's also the uh, kind of disunity among the Muslims. So, for instance, at various junctures, like the, the Muslim forces just aren't there. Um, and, you know, these Muslim armies are fighting each other because they don't necessarily view the Crusaders as a real threat. Um, and you know, by the time they do view the Crusaders as a real threat, it's possibly a little bit late. Uh, and then also the, the final reason is, is the leadership of the Crusaders. And so those three quite neat categories are just quite helpful to return to as we had this, this, this quite neat sequence of here's a really big obstacle. Here's our problem. How do they solve it? And then you tell them the story. And really, they see that most of the reasons we're dealing with fit quite neatly into those three categories. Yeah, and I think uh, that kind of mirrors quite a lot of what people hopefully have seen in other units where we've really thought about those kind of categories that help with that kind of second order concept in this case, cause, causal reasoning. And we forefronted those, or you forefronted yeah. them, so that actually they engage them early on and keep coming back to them rather than kind of building knowledge and then having to apply them to categories at the end, yeah. which is kind of how I think I used to plan things I'd realise at the end, oh, these are the categories they should talk about. And that's really hard for students because they haven't been thinking about that. But I think that idea of keep on coming back, you keep on coming back to that kind of big question, how on earth did they make it like to and then like, the different cities ending in Jerusalem and each time it's talking about those. Um, right. Those and, and I think if you're, um, you know, as, as we kind of move further and further you know, through the, the new curriculum, I think, and we start to get more comfortable with some of the, um, the processes at work, I think you know, ultimately by the time you're on to that fourth lesson and they, they're familiar with the categories and they're familiar with the problem, you might want to like front load your reading, bearing in mind that you know, this is really narrative driven. But you might want to front load um, the siege of Jerusalem with like, right, you kind of know what's coming. And as we read through uh, the extract this time, as we read through the story, can you underline where you think you see evidence of Muslim disunity, of religious devotion? of leadership. And then you, you know, and then you can go to those underlying sections and say, well, how is that helping um, the Christians? Like, how is that ultimately helping them solve their problem? Um, so, yeah, I think that fits quite neatly. Yeah, I think that's quite like the research as well backs up that idea is not like pre-questioning, like what things to look for. And you can set that up with those categories of like once we've done this kind of once or twice and you get familiar with it, pre-question, like remember this, is what we're looking for. And you can kind of draw that, draw it through as well. I quite like in your kind of end, end products where you set up a bit of the historic, historiography because one of the key things obviously in the past has been like the greed and you talked a little bit about the princes but this idea that they're really driven by profit going on crusade and I guess is that kind of what you thought going in was that challenged during your your reading or kind of how has that kind of changed that you've been like looking at it? yeah um on, before I forget on that, there is a, there is a nice link that ultimately gets made elsewhere in the curriculum, which is that um, some of the gold that ends up in the hands of the Crusaders uh, had come from gold mines in Mali. 
Um, so when we look at Mansa Musa, we'll be able to draw a nice link there. That was a, a satisfying <laughs> to, <laughs> to stumble upon. Yeah, I think the motivation is, is quite interesting. Um, it's, I think it's just really easy to fall into the trap of saying, um, you know, this is just about religion, just because we know that, um, you know, the Latin West is such a religious society. When in actual fact, you know, it's this combination of the material and the spiritual. Um, and uh, you know, so the, the book that really helped me was a book uh, by the historian Thomas Asbridge called Crusades. Uh, and, you know, for, for him, he said, don't, he said it's easy to fall into that trap. And then he said, but also don't go too far the other way. But yet, you know, please, you know, you need to understand that religion is at the heart of this. And so it's kind of that primary factor. You also need to be clear that there are other forces at work. And actually, some of the big forces that are, that are at work here are personal ambition. Uh, so, so like Bohemond, for instance, who is going to be a really big figure in this inquiry. And when we look at the leadership of the Crusaders, he's the name that's going to keep coming up. Uh, and it's his heroics at Doria Leum that, that kind of allow the Crusaders to, to survive in so many ways. Um, but he has no real land of his own. He, he's been fighting off uh, against um, the, the Byzantine Empire in, in Sicily. Another lovely link. Um, uh, but he doesn't really have much land of his own. So actually going and getting land is quite important for Bermond. And that manifests entirely during the course of the Crusade when he doesn't actually make it to Jerusalem to worship at, you know, at the various religious sites. He just stops at Antioch because he's got his prize and he, he makes himself the Prince of Antioch. So you know, that kind of betrays, I guess, something about Bohemond's motivations. And, and then there are others as well, like Robert of Normandy, um, William the Conqueror's son and, and the brother of William Rufus, uh, again, is someone who is, is, you know, not King of England, uh, and yet his brother is, and is someone who uh, kind of as the the second son is he the second son or third son not He's can't the, quite remember but Robert. yeah so robert's the firstborn and it's the fact oh. that he, he doesn't have that kingdom because basically william is great doing this with year tens at the moment william doesn't like robert and we've really looked at like how he prefers his second son but the rule is the firstborn has to be at the top <laughs> of the chain and he's really annoyed and his brother gets England and he tries to fight his brother he doesn't get him and he just sends up going right I'm gonna I'm gonna loan you Normandy I don't want to be subservient to you as a Jew yeah. and he loans him it for 10,000 marks to fund him to go on crusade so it's like a really like I've had enough I can't deal with my brother having <laughs> than me I'm gonna but go yeah, I mean, there we are right that the, um like some of the big powerful princes that go hello Mark by the way that was that was oh, Mark <laughs> um, these big powerful princes that are, are going off you know there's there's like big dynastic power plays at work here it's there's there's kind of geopolitical tension it's not just about uh religion though as thomas asprey says don't get distracted by the fact um by all these other things going on well, i think it's, it's a nice way if you think of the theme this is sitting in of that contested power as well like you just said there like the obvious one to jump out is this contest between kind of different different religions which is there as you said, actually, like the reason for some of these princes going is a more nuanced, contested power that you know maybe you're not going to go into with your uh, your year sevens. But again, just teacher knowledge, just knowing that that's the background to it, I think is 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 really helpful. And there might be some people who pick up on the idea: why are these princes like so happy to go and leave places behind? And actually, that's like knowledge you can kind of give across as well. And I think what we're talking about there as well, 
we've we've got these big narratives that are kind of running through the curriculum sometimes explicitly and sometimes less explicitly of like migration of, of power and agency and the example you just gave there George, is like of that agency of an individual and we might not necessarily yet be using that that term always explicitly but I think it's useful for kind of teachers to know that this is exactly what we're we're looking at and can be referencing back to when we do do it more explicitly in kind of like year eight and year nine that actually say well we've already seen these individuals having a big impact and it wasn't just religion as a force driving them that these individuals had their their roles to play i think obviously like power comes through in this as as well as like with different people wanting various different kind of kinds of power being motivated by different kinds of power and then also we've got that kind of migratory element on top of it like an aggressive kind of migration i guess you could yeah, yeah. The, the crusades kind of as well so i think it's again not always explicit always in the planning and things but it kind of runs through um that as well yeah and i, I think that that stuff around um some of those substantive concepts i think it, you know like something like migration like it is just one for teachers to be aware of that you know that we have now at this point seen various forms of migration of which this is kind of another form to some degree like they do set up the crusade estates and people go out and live in the holy land and settle there um and i think you know building that understanding of migration at this time it, it serves quite an important function in that when we start to look further down the road at like very explicit units on migration we know we need to make it clear to students that they have some understanding of this and that actually you know they 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 have wrestled with this concept to some degree and it's it's complexified in their mind to some degree through seeing people like Ziriab or Abbas ibn Furnas but now the Crusaders and then you know later on kind of people within the Mongol Empire moving around to the court of the Mongols I'm getting distracted from the Crusades but um yeah I think I think trying to connect those conceptual dots sometimes just with a few things that we're saying can be really powerful I think with this, the, I think the question might come up then is um, what should people be emphasising in this unit? Yeah. Probably second question is what kind of misconceptions do you think students are likely to either kind of have beforehand or might get during the, the course of it that kind of teachers should be should be looking yeah. at? Yeah, so I think um, in terms of the focus, you know, if we start at the beginning when you're setting things up, set you know you're going to need to set up that that powerful force of christianity um and 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 you're going to you know when we return you know when we see that pop up time and again i think you're just going to need to link it back to whatever we did at the start so with mine i'm just going to do a lot in fact that first lesson is really not that much new content at all it's just saying what do we know about these worlds what do we know about these places uh, you know, let's get to grips with it. And and so I'm just going to spend a lot of time setting up the kind of devotional power of Christianity. And then when we move through, linking back to that is important. So let's just take, for instance, the, the siege of Antioch, um, where once the Crusaders are inside the city, they are then very quickly besieged by an enormous Muslim force sent from uh, Abbasid Baghdad, no less. Um, and it, you know things are completely desperate at that point this is where they're um they're eating leather they've run out of each other at this point to eat and so they just start eating the the leather soles of boots and you have like quite mighty princes 
um, reduced to riding on donkeys um, uh, as they prepare to fight the the army outside. And, and I mean, for all intents and purposes, they're they're completely doomed at this point. Um, and I think you know, and they, and they know it. Um, and there's this moment where some crusaders go into the, this uh, church in Antioch and they find this spearhead, which they claim to be um, a shard of the holy lance that had pierced Jesus. Uh, and of course, I, our, our students' understandings of understanding of relics and, and the power of relics uh, starts to come in here and, and becomes important. I think so. You know, setting that up at the beginning, just reminding them from that unit of conch, you know, what are relics? And why are they powerful um, at this time to these people? You know, that's really significant because then you're going to want to emphasize that moment. You want that moment to have real resonance. Um, you also then want to be quite cautious with that moment because you, what you don't want them to think is that they found this and then they are truly kind of blessed by God and they can genuinely just go off and like, of course, they're successful. They found a relic. It's like, well, <laughs> they, they found a shard of an old spear. Um, and what the clever thing, of course, that you want them to do is to think uh, in the context of this time and these people, that was a powerful thing to happen in terms of morale. Um, but of course, it doesn't totally explain why they're able to defeat that enormous army outside. And in fact, a much better explanation of why they're able to defeat that enormous army outside Antioch is really the fact that those Muslim forces are really divided and they move really slowly and the commander is kind of hesitant to engage his army with the crusaders for fear of um kind of losing too many men and so despite the fact that they're wandering out on donkeys and they are a ragtag bunch you know albeit very excited about the fact that they found a, a relic and, and kind of convinced that god is on their side really again it's it's the leadership of the crusaders there in attacking quite aggressively as they come out Mark, I just wanted to say I really like the idea because I know for some people who've got less lessons somewhere, so like for us, we actually didn't get a chance to do the conch bit. So when Josh says that now and I'm thinking about other teachers, how are they going to get the importance of relics? And I'm trying to make links now. And because you've made so many, I've already done lesson six today with the Normans. And we were talking about where we've seen relics before. OK, Constantinople. How does that make Christians feel? And we talked about safety. It's a haven for them. Mm -hmm. And like those relics, it affects like how people feel. And then we've looked at like the Normans today. We were linking like, why is there so few rebellions after like this period? And it's that idea of, well, he's also built castles and things like physical things. But then he's starting to get them to believe that the Normans are favored by gods. And he's like manipulating relics and he's placing these church. And he's like that importance of you, what you're saying about the devotion of religion. It's like really well fred through already like a couple of inquiries like so I'm thinking oh how could I do this and I'm like actually there's a plenty of other examples of relics and like how they're being used to control emotion and it's been really yeah. that students can get out of. Yeah, I think I think the the just to come back to the the things that are worth focusing on. Um, I think the the other thing that of course like you need to set up early on and again this is where we just we're just really drawing on things that they already know. Is that if you think about the the unit on um, Baghdad and Cordoba that they've done so far, uh, you know, fine, we spoke about this kind of shared culture that existed between both places, uh, this kind of world of scholarship and trade that connected them. But like, you know, at, at its core, that unit started with a really vicious uh, 
rebellion and someone's head being chopped off. Um, like these two warring Muslim factions. And I'm, you know, I'm going to take my students back to that moment where Rahman is crossing the Euphrates and his brother's head is held aloft. And actually, you know, those are significant that moments for understanding this unit of work because the divisions that are inherent in the Muslim world at the time of the crusade are a seriously, you know, you know to, to some historians, you know, that that is it. Because as soon as the Muslims do get together in the later crusades under Saladin, etc., the Crusaders barely stand a chance. You know, they send over the three most, most powerful kings in Europe in the Third Crusade, and they get like a kind of truce deal-ish with Saladin. Um, and that's about it. And, and so really, again, just setting up the divisions in the Muslim world. And that first lesson does it by looking at the different factions at this time. So the Fatimids in Egypt, the Seljuk Turks, the Abbasids, why there's tension and, and basically this kind of grand civil war that's happening in the region. Um, and then ideally, you know, across those stories, there are just these little lines of kind of, you know, Kilij Arslan isn't here because he's off fighting Muslims elsewhere. Um, and, and you know, picking up on those is, is going to be quite important. Yeah, I think, again, can I go back to what, what Mark was saying, like, like finding the links that we've kind of like found ours and like that, that term like stumbling across things. I think just having done lots of reading this year to do the inquiry planning has given us loads of opportunities to stumble across amazing links that otherwise sometimes you don't like the Mali gold for example um that obviously other people haven't had the, the chance to do and obviously some schools are you know did different amounts of teaching time having to not do some inquiries and others i think it's just that that worth thinking like mark saying where can i find those links in what i have taught um and also just being aware that actually sometimes well that this was set up in that inquiry that we didn't do all of or we we didn't do and therefore that security of knowledge won't quite be there for that and how do you tackle that or at least just knowing that you haven't got that if for example you didn't do the islamic world and you did the kind of constantinople and, and Kong, actually that that baghdad kind of reference and and um the difference between two caliphates doesn't make as much sense then they won't be as you know, securing it. So maybe you need to spend more time securing that now, um, rather than referencing back to something they haven't haven't done. So I think that's kind of just yeah, being really clear on sequencing, on links you can make, uh, on yeah. links that you've got in your version of the curriculum as well, and kind of having a having a look um, at that as well. Um, I was thinking in terms of like best place to start, Josh, if people get into grips with. With this inquiry obviously this kind of podcast brilliant place for people to start and they've already listened to it um next steps for people uh, looking to looking to tackle it yeah so um so this there wasn't kind of a really satisfying single podcast episode apart from this one um that that people could lean on in the same say sense that there wasn't that uh, norman's unit of work you know the, the bbc in our time basically just answered the inquiry question so that was just the thing that for 40 minutes you were going to get a heavy dose of um information on for this i think um thomas asbridge has done a load of documentaries and there's one which is an hour and it just looks at the first crusade and that's in the subject planning documents and i would thoroughly recommend that it's you know he's brilliant uh, he really kind of takes you to the world of the crusades um, and, you know, in an hour, he explores the story of the First Crusade. So I think if you're going to access one resource, that would be the one. If you wanted to go deeper, his books are brilliant. Um, and the one kind of the, the, the volume on just it's called The Crusades and covers kind of Crusades one to five <clears throat> is worth reading just 
for this inquiry, it's about 80 pages. So not not long at all and full of information. And then if you wanted to carry on reading that again, you'll start to see where we return to to this place uh, throughout the curriculum. That's right. I'm very excited to uh, start teaching and uh, getting kids to kind of work out how on earth the Crusades got to Jerusalem. Any final thoughts, gentlemen? Um, I mean, I'm excited to talk about trebuchet in one inquiry and then wait for Josh's amazing trebuchet <laughs> crossover into the next one. That's my the best curricular link I think there's ever going to be. Um, I definitely <laughs> think it's that thing of I'm better at teaching year 10 in the Normans now and stuff like that because I'm thinking like, oh, Harold Hadrada, Constantinople is a link there. And then later on, I'm like, Edgar Aifling actually disappears off to Constantinople. And it's those links that really the kids love returning back to it and like reinforcing it. So that's yeah, my yeah the, 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 the links are the links are special in this one, I think. Um, and it, it's not always the case. So I think my final thoughts would be what are the things that um, are in this unit of work that are going to return? Uh, and Mark's exactly right in, in the Mongols unit of work. We're going to see the Mongols right over in, in eastern China um, use plans for trebuchets that were found in Antioch. And they are going to use um, Muslim engineers from Baghdad to help construct those trebuchets. And that is really satisfying. So that's one thing just to, to emphasise. And then again, in this one, there are just little kind of details and stories that um, enrich our students understanding of the world that we're in and so some of my favorites are the Byzantine um, commander Titicius who has a golden nose uh, in place of the one that he lost in battle um, again the the crusaders eating old leather at Antioch and, and mighty princes riding out on donkeys I think those details are really rich and fun in this inquiry oh it makes me think of the things that I think my, my students got kind of stuck in their minds of like uh, Hermione falling down the stairs and cracking yeah. his head open, you know, all those like juicy little details from, from history which just kind of stick in their minds, you know, Harry uh, and North who were eating human flesh and things like that, which I, I think it's, it's nice to kind of think of those points as like ones to be excited to go and teach and you just see yeah. that, that drama and like, uh, I mean, what more could you want than a, than a golden nose? <laughs> exactly. Well, there we go. I think a little kind of introduction to um, upcoming Crusades inquiry. Hopefully you have found that helpful and kind of given you uh, a grounding for that. Um, and as Josh mentioned, loads of kind of things you can do to improve your own subject knowledge on it. And also go to that uh, kind of planning document, the anthology and, and the lessons themselves. Those are the kind of the places to, to start with. Go and see again that, that planning document overview of the inquiry and then get stuck into some of the uh, suggested resources. Well, Josh, Mark, thank you very much. We'll be back discussing another inquiry soon. Thanks, Alice. There we go.